0: What's going on, everybody? Welcome into this Locked On Crossover. Sooners, meet the Huskers on this Locked On Crossover, your team, every single day. I'm Josh Elmer of ninety four seven The Ref, and of course, right here, Locked On Sooners. Derek Pearson, my guest of Locked On Huskers, and of course, 93.7 The Ticket in Lincoln, where you can check him out every single day. Derek, man, let's not bury the lead on this thing for Oklahoma-Nebraska part two of this home-and-home. It was a great game last season. We wondered kind of then, was Scott Frost inching toward his final legs in Lincoln? Obviously, that wound up being the case as he was relieved of his duties following the Georgia Southern loss. Just take us through what it's been like being on the air in Lincoln and everything that has happened with Scott Frost and now Mickey Joseph stepping in in an interim role.
1: We got the uh, the news when the, when my phone blew up about 12.30, uh, 12.35 to be exact, because it's still it's still on my phone. Um, and I had just got done with a, with, a, with a Sunday morning show, and I had to spin and turn around and head back to the station again. It was an all points, all hands on deck. We, we kind of knew that's what was going to be required. Um, in the initial announcement, it said that uh, they just decided to serve Albertson and the the crew decided they were going to move in a different direction and that the interim head coach would be former Husker Mickey Joseph, um, who was the passing game coordinator and the wide receivers coach. Uh, so as we, we, we gathered, the story became more about why, like why now? Uh, the $7.5 million uh, issue of if they wait until October 1st, then they removed that. But if you know anything about Nebraska athletics, you know that the money wasn't the issue. So uh, the home loss against the Sunbelt Conference uh, bottom tier team uh, at night when you had the Hall of Fame inductees for the year there on the sideline, um, the opportunities there, the second worst defensive uh, output uh, in Nebraska history at home. So the 600-plus yards just had not been seen. Several opportunities. And then for us, we ended up being on air in a rotation for up until uh, 10 o'clock Sunday night. And it was just crazy. It was just call after call, text after text, email after email. And the questions ranged in three places. Why now? What next? And who next? And I've I've worked from this. Uh, Mickey Joseph is the interim head coach. I'm a former coach myself, so I don't root for anybody to get fired. I just don't believe in it. I know there's a way to get success. That's what you're rooting for. That's what you're hoping for. Uh, You're rooting for the players to to get closure because the players have been on edge all season long because they didn't know where the the coaching staff stood. Um, Then the questions were, uh, is it Mark Whipple, uh, who's the offensive coordinator, Is it Mickey Joseph? Is it Eric Shenander? Shenander removed himself from it by Saturday night's performance of his defense. But then it fell back to when Mickey Joseph was hired. He was given the title associate head coach. So everything was in place. This has been ongoing. This isn't an overnight thing. This isn't a last-minute thing. There was a plan in case things went left. They went left. They operated the plan, and now what happens now, uh, there have been some small changes within the coaching staff and more changes uh, in the operational aspect of it, uh, how practices are run and that sort of thing. But Mickey Joseph is the guy in charge, and the players, from the mouth of the players themselves, exhaled because now they know who's going to take them through the next nine games or whatever the season is, and now they can focus on what they should be here to do, which is win football games.
0: Not too long ago, right here on Lockdown Suitors and just radio in Norman, we had that similar situation where all of a sudden you're replacing a head football coach, albeit obviously different circumstances with Lincoln Riley leaving to go to USC. So you talked about it a little bit there, Derek. What is sort of your take? I know what it's like to be a part of that 10-hour, 11-hour marathon radio day, but wh- why now? Why now? What is sort of your answer to that question?
1: Well, if, if it can, comes down to should the coach be fired or not. The money part of it can't be how you operate or how you function, especially when you're a, a university and an athletic department that has the reserve of money that Nebraska does. So then the fact that the loss was at home, uh, it was the lead-in to the the rivalry of all rivalries for Nebraska. I mean, Nebraska, Oklahoma is where the legacies are, are built and stored. And if you're bringing the national TV folks to Lincoln, Nebraska, what you don't want the story to be is what's next. You remove something from the pool, something from the water. Um, look, 16 and 31 doesn't get it. I mean, that shouldn't be that should never be the, the, the discussion here. In Lincoln, Nebraska, at Memorial Stadium, no Nebraska team should ever be in a com- competition with Georgia Southern, let alone having to fight for its life and then not finding a way to make it work. So, yeah, it needed to be done. Um, the move was, was quick. I was surprised that it was Sunday morning. Um, but all day long, all day Sunday, all day Monday – Um, the Husker Nation, and when we talk about Husker Nation, Sooner Nation understands it, that it's bigger than just the local. It's bigger than just the region. All the folks from around the world came running the 93.7, the ticket for information and to vent and to heal and to get settled into what's next. And I think we landed firmly on having a former Husker, a national champion, uh, somebody that was brought in for this very reason. It's good to have Mickey Joseph here forward and up from here.
0: Well, that's the next question I had for you. So Mm -hmm. what can you tell us about Mickey Joseph, obviously now the the interim head football coach at the University of Nebraska?
1: Rock solid. Rock solid. He's a grown-up. He's a grown man. And what he loved, the way the players love him, one, people know that his recruiting capability is off the charts. He's one of the best recruiters in the country. And that translates into his coaching because he's evolved. He's taken this passing game that was 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 off 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 filter last year. They got it going. They're putting up thirty six points a game. That's not an issue. Uh, you you've got Casey Thompson to wing it, but he's got receivers who believe in him, and that's important here to have guys that believe in him. The rest of the guys, he started recruiting linemen. He just started helping recruiting on the defensive side of the ball. He helped uh, with other coaches. So Mickey Joseph is the right guy for it. I'm a firm believer, and we've had this discussion all over the the area, I thought that – I think that Mickey Joseph is the guy for next year. I think the interim, he has a chance because he's in the job and he's capable of it. Remember, that LSU run, he's produced – three of the, 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 the greatest new receivers to come into the league. So he knows what he's doing. Now if he can get the other folks on board with him, it should be Mickey Joseph's job. I hope that it's Mickey Joseph's job. Saturday is the first step into that, and it'll play out whether we believe he
0: should be or not. So one of the items that I talked about on the radio down here in Norman for maybe why now in Nebraska, right, and and I'll admit I, I was a little bit surprised that they didn't wait for the buyout to drop for, uh, well, obviously before they made the change for the Cornhuskers. The Big Ten West, I mean, you kind of look at what's happening across the division, and if you're not looking big macro picture of just the Big Ten itself, just in the West, Iowa loses to Iowa State, right? Been a little while since that happened. Uh, we saw. A Northwestern team, obviously, that, that beat Nebraska, they lose to Duke. We saw a Wisconsin team at home lose to Washington State. So the Big Ten West and Purdue, right, another team that people think, okay, well, they can win this this side of the Big Ten. They've already lost to Penn State. So from that standpoint, do you think that, that part of it was sort of one of the reasons that this happened when it did that Nebraska still feels, okay, we can salvage this thing?
1: Well, yeah, I mean, if Northwestern's the only team in the Big Ten West that has a win in the Big Ten West, and you know that they're probably vulnerable, look, if you do your job, if Nebraska does its job under Mickey Joseph, they win the Big Ten West. They win the Big Ten West. I mean, that's how this thing should play out. And if they, if anybody in the program believed that they this was going to be an eight or nine win team to begin the season, well... You looked at the schedule. You thought you might be two and one, or two and two, or three and one uh, after Oklahoma anyway. So <laughs> it doesn't really matter. Plus, there's a bye week next week. So whatever changes need to be made, whatever adjustments need to be made, and then you get into a part of the schedule that you expect it to be successful in anyway. So you assume nothing now because you don't know if a team that's one and two. But if I'm Mickey Joseph and the crew. I'm looking forward to Saturday because it's an opportunity with nothing to lose. Uh, less known about the, the Husker team that's going to take the field on Saturday. Like, it's really hard to scout them because you don't know what they're going to do under Whipple and Mickey Joseph. Like, the two, the mad scientists and the offensive genius have been in the lab for a couple of days. I would imagine that all bets are off and the playbook is wide open. It is a great opportunity, a chance for the fan base to get reconnected and re-energized, and then for the players uh, to find their way and to get their legs and to to regain. So, yeah, it's a great opportunity.
0: One more on Mickey Joseph, and then let's start diving into just the the matchup itself, what sort of uh, the two presentations, I guess, are respectively from the Sooners and the Huskers in this game. Mickey Joseph, you said you're hoping that there's a legitimate chance that once this thing is all said and done – Trev Alberts is looking at this and he's a legitimate candidate to take over full time. So with that being said, Derek, what do you think needs to happen for that to be the case for Mickey Joseph to be a legitimate candidate and get a long and serious look as being the next full time Huskers head coach?
1: Josh, I'm going to be I'm going to be Coach Joseph in this and I'm going to speak his words that he spoke at the press conference that he's talked about uh, one to one. It's one game at a time that we have to be the best version of ourselves that day. Like we just had, that's it. We can't, he can't look down the road. He doesn't, he doesn't have the the, the footing to do that. He's focused on Oklahoma and everything that's required for them to beat Oklahoma is going to be the focus. Now, if he does his job and everything goes well, it's only good for the day because he's got to, then go on to the next thing. He is a one-game-at-a-time, single-focus kind of, kind of man. I hate to speak for him, so I use his words that way. I'm safe. <laughs> I'm safe. Beat Oklahoma is a great start. Play well within that space. No matter what the result is, be better than you were than, than against Georgia Southern, and then, and then you've got a bye week, and then you can retool and redirect. I, look, he's got the job. For all intent purposes, he's gonna to have to lose the job to get rid to, to be removed and replaced. At least in my mind, he has the opportunity week by week, as they say here, day by day, play by play, he has an opportunity to not only keep the job, but then be the focus and the director going forward. I, I fully expect for him to get it done, but that's just me.
0: I love it. I love the the optimism. So let's dive into just this matchup itself, what it presents. First, though, let me tell you real quickly, this episode, this locked-on crossover, it's brought to you by BetOnline.net, your number one source for all of your pro and college football betting needs and sports information this season. Find all of the latest football league developments, game matchups, news, and podcasts, including this year's... Games every single week over at betonline.net. It's your continued source for all of your sports wagering information, including live betting, esports, and scores. The fastest and easiest way to check in on all of your favorite sports and events, including Major League Baseball, MMA, boxing, golf, and of course, football, baby. Head on over to the website today or use your mobile device to learn about the trends and the action. BetOnline, that's where the game starts. So let's talk about the personnel in this matchup. Oklahoma, Derek, they're familiar with the quarterback of Nebraska because guess what? He tossed five touchdown passes on him in the Red River showdown not too awfully long ago for uh, the Texas Longhorns. So what have you seen from Casey Thompson at the quarterback position? I mean, right now it doesn't seem like offense has been much of a problem in Lincoln. There's been – the offense hasn't been the issue. Um, their best offensive
1: player coming into the season, Travis Vokalik, got hurt early on. That's affected because that's the safety net uh, for Casey Thompson. What we found out about Casey through the recruiting process, through that transfer portal, and we knew that he was in the Oklahoma circle, right? So this is a thing that you expected to have, and it was interesting to hear Brandon will talk about it, that, well, no, we wanted the guy, so we know him. Um, I didn't know he was the high IQ quarterback that he is. His ability to break down what he sees, what he's what he's trying to do from play to play, from scheme to scheme, is pretty top level. Um, I, I have to commend the young man, because when he speaks, he he is a storyteller. He understands what his job is. Uh, we didn't know that Anthony Grant was going to be uh, uh, the, the, the the player that he's been at 400 plus yards over the course of the first three games. We didn't know uh, that young A.J. Allen. Uh, was going to come in and light it up as, as running back, as RB2. Um, and then finding out from the three receivers, the four receivers that uh, Casey Thompson has to throw to, he's got some weapons, and they're playing well. Just like Oklahoma, the issue in the conversation here has been about the offensive line. So Oklahoma fans, you understand. <laughs> they got some offensive line issues. Um, and then the inability from, the, from just from the offensive side of the ball they brought in a kicker that thought there was going to be dead on. He's one for four, and it's just the little things keep adding up. Um, they're putting up thirty six points a game. They should be. They should be three and zero. They're not. They're one and two
0: because things just don't add up. So those wide receivers, I know you talked about them, Derek. But if you can expound a little bit on a Trey Palmer, on a Marcus Washington, on an Isaiah Gar- Garcia Castaneda. And then uh, even in Omar Manning, what has Nebraska got in that group right there? And I know that a bunch of these guys are faces that came from somewhere else. So how has kind of all of that coalesced?
1: Trey Palmer came with Mickey Joseph from LSU, so an explosive playmaker, um, open field extraordinaire, really good in possession. He's had a couple of couple of drops that that he's that he's been angry about, but he's the he's the factor. He's the one that he yeah, as, as Reggie used to, used to say, "I'm the straw that stirs the drink." Well, Trey Palmer is the straw that stirs the drink. If Vocalek is on field, he's the biggest issue for Oklahoma. If Vocalek plays, he's an issue. If not, it's Chancellor Brewington, smaller version who gets in the seam, stretches defense from the middle, uh, gets up on the, on the hash and does work. Marcus Washington is a Casey Thompson best friend buddy, like they know each other. They know Oklahoma, so. That has been beneficial. He's starting uh, to expand himself. Uh, his presence is important. Uh, but Casey passes, spreads the ball around. Um, Garcia Castaneda might be the X factor against Oklahoma, but the way that Oklahoma defends. So in those spaces, being able to get a third corner, get a nickel corner on, on, on IGC, as we call him, then there's an advantage. Whoever is, gets the nickel, is probably going to get the work this Saturday.
0: Biggest key for you in your mind, offensively for Nebraska in this football game is
1: offensive line pass pro. My goodness gracious! For uh, the fact that Oklahoma leads the country, the entire universe in, in tackles for loss and uh, and and sacks. That's a problem for this makeshift uh, piecemeal. Offensive line, and we don't know if the the best offensive lineman Teddy Berhaska, is even going to play. So, yeah, that's issue. I think Nebraska will be able to run the ball. I really do, uh, just because of spacing and timing. Um, but if they can't defect, uh, defend, uh, protect Casey Thompson off the edge and with the, with the boundary, it's going to be a long day in Lincoln. It's be a long day.
0: Other side of the football defensively for nebraska trying to slow down dylan gabriel and company for oklahoma man there's some some nice players on this nebraska defense i know it hasn't gone well but both uh reimer and nelson coming into this season i think are guys that people felt pretty positively about so what type of players are on this nebraska defense let's just start there the strictly personnel question what what is on this nebraska defense
1: well, the three best players on defense all play the same position. <laughs> That's a problem because only two of them are on the field at the same time. <laughs> uh, they're trying to work, and I would imagine that this week some of the work would have been in getting uh, Garrett Nelson, who uh, would be the preseason All-Big Ten consideration. Uh, on the backside, Caleb Tanner, the more athletic edge. And, and then O'Shawn Mathis, who was the transfer portal Diamond that come, comes in, put up 10 tackles uh, in the first game. But the concern is the inability to get home to the quarterback. Now, we know that Oklahoma has issue defending that in, that in that pass pro. So I would imagine that that Nebraska will stir up some some spaces where all three of those guys are on the field. Nebraska's issue has been up the middle. Uh, losing Damian Daniels and, and, and Ben Stilley from last year, the replacements and the next players up, haven't measured up. There's been a huge gaping hole in the middle of the defensive line far too often, putting too much pressure on on Luke Reimers and and Nick Heinrich. It's too much. Uh, Ernest Hausman is a true freshman who played 80 plays. (laughs) It's too much for a true freshman. Look, the kid's going to be all conference, maybe all America in two years. Right now, he's swimming in deep water. A secondary that's long, it's athletic, but it just hasn't clicked. It just hasn't clicked. Um, tackling. Issue one and issue two. Tackling and getting pressure on the quarterback, those have been the things that have put Nebraska in trouble. Um, I would imagine some changes in scheme. I would imagine some, some changes in personnel. Uh, Shenander has a refocus. He's been moved to focus on the safeties. Uh, Travis Fisher has been moved out to handle the corners and, and, and nickelbacks. Hopefully that shows up uh in a in a in an aggressive tackling defense now they spent a ton of time this week putting people on the ground that's what we hope that the tackling shows up on saturday
0: i know that has been Derek a familiar complaint over the years in norman that man why why do they not just why are they not more physical throughout the the spring and then in into fall camp and what have you they clearly because the lack of tackling especially early in seasons has been a real Achilles heel for Oklahoma and I'm sure you know that's not Oklahoma specific that's kind of college football in 2020 2021 and 2022 you know these last four or five years however long it's been so the fact that again maybe there is that culture shift to hey let's be physical in practice how optimistic are you final question and then I'll let you flip it kind of back around on me and ask some Oklahoma questions how optimistic are you that that can be a puzzle piece that frankly gets a defense playing the right way that has struggled mightily so far
1: look the optimism is in the intent and the operation I know from practice that they put more people on the ground I know that they're working on it, um, that it became a priority. As a matter of fact, let's get loose and then let's hit. So hopefully it shows up on Saturday. If not, um, it'll it'll be what it's been. And then they'll have two weeks to work on it over the course of the bye week. But optimism, yes. Trust, maybe not. <laughs> maybe not, Josh. Uh, I'll ask you because – a lot of the, 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 the Oklahoma boards have been talking about this offensive line. And somehow, to me, with all the talent on this line, there has to be some answer to why are they struggling? Why are they struggling? And pass pro, uh, they're running the ball pretty well, but the pass pro seems to be problematic. It's a good question.
0: Obviously, Wanye Morris is somebody that, for Oklahoma, was projected to be a starting offensive tackle for this Sooner team. And because of some suspension things, missed games one and two, he's not officially been listed as back for this Nebraska game, but a little birdie around Norman has not been awfully quiet. It sounds like Wanye Moore is a great chance to play in this Nebraska game. So the Sooners are hoping that that is one little puzzle piece that can maybe get this thing flipped in a positive direction for them. Beyond that, you know, you, you say that they ran it well, and they did in chunks in that, second half of their last game but they also had 13 rushes for seven yards in the first half so it's been kind of problematic really across the board for Oklahoma there's been good rushing spurts for the Sooners pass protection yes has been a problem for Oklahoma really both games in spots so across the board I think Oklahoma fans and reporters would tell you really just each not just even the first two games of this season but dating back to last year as well it's not been the Joe Moore award winning offensive line play in Norman these last couple of years. And that has been a real point of contention. I don't know that there's a simple fix to it. I don't know that Wanye Moore is coming back is the immediate fix in that regard either. But Oklahoma definitely hopeful that that's one piece that can help there.
1: Josh, I'll ask you is, is, is Dylan a game manager or is he, or, or is
0: he a leader? Well, he's a leader, man. He, he's not He's not a game manager. Uh, Dylan Gabriel is explosive, vertically throwing the football down the field. I think he's a, a better runner than probably he would get credit for nationally. I don't think, you know, look, I'm not saying that Dylan Gabriel's anything like Kyler Murray or a bunch of other quarterbacks for Oklahoma or Nebraska greats uh, of yesteryear. I'm not saying that, but I think that sometimes surprisingly – will be able to tuck it and run it a little bit. I think he's better at extending plays again than maybe he gets credit for. And this is somebody that has thrown for a lot of passing yards and has upwards of 70 touchdowns passing throughout his collegiate career. I know that initially that was at central Florida, but this is somebody man that as soon as he arrived in Norman, in part Derek, because of his previous relationship with Jeff Levy, I mean, he came right in and you said the word, is he, you know, a leader, He was the one that was uh, coaching this offense up on, hey, this is what X, Y, Z looks like in this Jeff Levy offense. So there's no doubt that once the permanent captains at Oklahoma are announced, I'm willing to anything that's in the bank account, put it down. Dylan Gabriel, they haven't announced those permanent captains at Oklahoma yet, but Dylan Gabriel, he's definitely going to be one of them.
1: One final thing, Josh, how good is Marvin Mims Jr.?
0: Well, he's special. He's special. You know, he uh, obviously has played both inside and out for Oklahoma. Last week was, was really nice to see for Marvin Mims. You talk about, you know, pieces of contention in Norman, Oklahoma for everything that was great with Lincoln Riley. And I've tried to be careful to not be someone that, As soon as Lincoln Riley bolts for USC, suddenly everything Lincoln Riley did in Norman, Oklahoma was bad. That wasn't the case and certainly wasn't the case offensively, though, like any other head coach or offensive coordinator or defensive coordinator, it wasn't all perfect either. And one of the things that I think a lot of Oklahoma fans didn't like about how last season played out was Marvin Mims just didn't get targeted as much as you would think a number one wide receiver should get targeted. And Jeff Levy, historically, one thing, Derek, that he does, he might be guilty of feeding the number one wide receiver a little bit too much in terms of targets. He he might go the direction of going to the number one guy maybe more often than he should. So that was nice, though, and I think a nice change of scenery for Oklahoma fans to see somebody that we think is a superstar and Marvin Mims get treated like that and get all of the targets that he did a week ago. I think – Nebraska fans, get ready because that, there's a good chance you could get a healthy dose of that this weekend.
1: Fully expecting it. Uh, hopefully they're prepared. I'm I'm excited. I'm told that uh, Bosworth is going to be in town with Larry, the cable guy, and company. So all the, <laughs> all, the all the all the Husker greats are coming in. Uh, Mike Brozier is coming to town. Uh, just interviewed Johnny Rogers today. It's gonna be it's gonna be a crazy week here in
0: Lincoln. So how do you? I guess final question for me, Derek. How do you see this thing playing out? You don't I mean, give a final score prediction if you want to. You don't have to. If you're saving that for the radio, then save it for the radio. But what's sort of your read on this game?
1: I I expect a shootout. I expect a shootout. Um, Nebraska, I would expect offensively, will do some things that create some problems uh, for Oklahoma defensively they haven't had to face this year just from being able to spread and having three or four quality receivers on the field at the same time and two runners who can put their foot in the ground. But I also expect Nebraska's defense to have some issues. This is a learning curve. So I'm going to buckle in. I'm going to grab my popcorn. I'll sit in media row and – uh, just sit back and enjoy myself at one of the great football rivalries uh, in this country's history. It's time that these guys play each other on a regular basis. It's great to be here, and I'm looking forward to it.
0: So one final question. I was dishonest with you, Derek. Uh huh. Non-conference game for Oklahoma and Nebraska going forward. What, what do you think about that, of this being kind of a, a permanent return? You know, Oklahoma, all of a sudden, because of this SEC move, it's not been received particularly well in Stillwater, Oklahoma. So there's at least one date that might be open. Or two. Or two.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Indeed. Make so, it regular. Make it regular. Proximity, neighborhood, legacy, history. All those things in place. Everybody recruits better because of it. Everybody's revenue is better because of it. Um, drop the egos, and let let this be on the regular
0: schedule. I love it. That is a perfect place to finish right here on this Locked On crossover. I guess maybe we broke a little bit of news on this thing. Derek Pearson taking over at Locked On Huskers. Derek, welcome aboard, man. Enjoy the football game. It should be fun, my friend.
1: Thank you, Josh. Appreciate you, bro. And, uh, yeah, it should be a good one.
0: And for my buddy, John Williams, myself, Josh Helmer, right here, your team every single day right here on the Locked On Network. That's going to do it for us. We can't wait. Sooners and Huskers, just like the good man intended, back together on the gridiron this weekend. It's going to be fun. Until next time, everybody, we'll see you right here on the Locked On Network.